Radigan. This is uh, three cheers for goaltender interference. I'm with my co-host, Kat Silverman. Uh, you can follow me at Mikey Rads. You can follow Kat at Kat M. Silverman. You can follow the podcast at three cheers for goal one with the number three and the number one. You can follow our producer, Maxwell Spar at Maxwell Spar. Uh, Kat, uh, right, I I know we were going to say we we're going to just jump right into our guests, but we do have to answer our Twitter question. We do. Um, I, I totally forgot. Yeah. So let's start with, um, I wanted to pay homage. Uh, we've decided that for this, this first, uh, for 2021, New Year, New US, we'll, we'll get our shit together a little bit more um, and talk about one song or album a year um or one song or album an episode um that i'm saying i'm a lot tonight i need i need sleep um but that either came out this week or is from 20 years ago like just sort of go back through through the history of music um since we like to talk about shitty music a lot um and good music uh, and somebody put out on Twitter earlier this week that this week is the 10-year anniversary of LMFAO's Party Rock Anthem. Ugh. And that's, I think, that's indicative of, like, when I look at the world around us right now, and then I look back at that song, uh, we, we deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> we really do. Uh... Yes, and so that's what prompted your tw- your Twitter question. Yes, uh, so I put out on Twitter for the, the five of you that listened to us. Um, I asked uh, what song you listened to in your adolescence um, that you realize now is absolutely terrible, but you still unapologetically love. And we got some absolutely absolutely golden responses um mikey yours was everybody's reply should be all-star by smash mouth which i soundly disagree with everyone likes that song uh i don't you're the only person i have ever met that doesn't like the song all-star so here's the thing i think when i was a child i liked it i think i liked it when i heard it at the roller rink i think i liked it when i heard it in shrek but I don't, okay. so I don't like campy things. I think we've been over this. I don't like Star Wars. I don't like, I don't like super campy gimmicky things that make me feel like I have to be in a good mood because usually I'm not. So <laughs> and All Star was a hit before Shrek, like two or three years before Shrek came yes, out. Yes, they played it at the roller rink all yes. the time. So. Every time that music video would come on in like 1998 or 1999, I would call my, one of my childhood best friends, Gus, who's still one of my best friends, but I'd call his house every single day on his, on the landline, because that's what we used when we were kids, on the landline <laughs> to tell him that All Star, the music video, was on <laughs> every single day. Oh my God. What? Stop. 
Get yeah, you, you gotta let you gotta let your homies know when that song's on. That actually explains a whole lot about you. Um, <laughs> no, it's so, and I think I, I think I said it before we started recording. Like, All Star by Smash Mouth, uh, the Fresh Prince theme song, shit that comes on and everybody screams and starts singing along with it. I hate that. Nothing makes me angrier than having to sing along at the top of my lungs, like smiling with strangers at a bar. Hate it. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, so you hate, you should, you hate fun? Is that what? Yeah. Like, you <laughs> don't like, go, you don't like going to a bar and like a song that everyone knows comes on and you don't like just belching it with random strangers? No, never. How do you go, how do, you go to concerts? <laughs> um, so it's fun occasionally at concerts. Uh, I'm not, I'm not a huge concert goer. Oh, okay. This is just, we're, we're, we're off on such a bad foot here. (laughs) (laughs) I used to like going to like indie concerts and stuff, like really small concerts, but I don't know. I, it's somehow different at a concert. Like I don't like when I'm sitting, enjoying my drink, trying to get drunk enough to where like the guys around me look cute. Um, and then everybody wants to start singing, mostly because people that you don't know turn to you and grab your hands and start singing like in your face. And that's that is annoying. not me. I, I don't I, like that. I, and that's what happens when All Star comes on. Like Smash Mouth enthusiasts, like they love that shit. And I just want to sit there by myself. So uh, that's. I, I think everyone should be a Smash Mouth en- enthusiast, first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. But moving in, so a shocking number of you, by the way, responded with Nickelback songs, Ugh. to which I say thank you for your honesty. Yeah, I guess. Because, because objectively, terrible, right? Yeah. Not good. But like, if you go back and... So Rockstar sucks. Uh, one person, Anna Forsyth, she said that Rockstar by Nickelback, um, that's not a good one. You can pick any other one. Someone else said, can I just volunteer the entirety of the emo genre plus any Nickelback single through to photograph? That, that sounds about right. Like, Rude. how you remind me, not a good song. But no, if it but... comes on now, I'm like, okay, I'll listen to it. Okay. And... I will say, I will concede, this is how you remind me actually kind of rocks. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Not a good song, but if it comes on, I'm like, fuck yeah. And the song that Chad Kroger did, for Spider-Man 2. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful song. Please don't laugh at me. <laughs> that I I have forgotten about that song probably for 15 years and you just inserted it back in <laughs> back into my brain. I think it showed up on my my top played songs for like 2018. So um what what other replies did you like? Um, <laughs> Dave Melton said, Len, steal my sunshine, which we then got some argument, some discourse on the Twitter. Um, cause Imre said, this song still laps, still slaps what you mean. And the last professor Pepsi said, yo, Dave, it's good. Um, she's wrong. I don't like that song. I hate that. I hate the guy's voice. I hate how he sings in that song. My sunshine. Yeah. And the, um, yeah. Awful. Awful. Uh, let's see. We got Cheryl. Uh, she's one of our 
one of our more seasoned followers. So she said um, a little before her adolescence, but was still popular. The police don't stand so close to me. And I'm very glad that she brought that up because looking back, if you were of the age to have grown up with the police and you don't look back now and realize how shitty Sting's lyrics were, then I don't, I can't help you. He repeats the chorus over and over again in every song over the back half of the song. And that's terrible. That's tragic. He got better as a solo artist, but as the police garbage. But I hate, if I hate you want to still listen to it, like go for it. I hate the police. I I really do not enjoy them. I don't. I don't think I like any of his songs as the police. I, I like a few of his songs as a solo artist after the fact. He had some songs in like the late '90s that were pretty good. Um, Professor Pepsi also gave us um, pretty much everything from. 1999 uh she said her top played song a couple years ago was teenage dirtbag and she still loves lfo's summer girls which sucks yeah um, that sucks. If, teenage dirtbag is good if it doesn't make it on the pod she was gonna call jason demers um it's it's terrible um but that's yeah. okay i'm glad she likes it the lfo song is bad but teenage dirtbag is good yeah that's that's fair um we got serial joe mistake uh billy don't be a hero anything by the new kids this is not a love song by juliana theory (laughs) um then we got uh i can link to my 2017 rewind playlist if you want um which is upsetting that 2017 was somebody's adolescence because i had a child at that point oh my god Um, that was 27 and 2017. <laughs> John, somebody said Hawthorne Heights, Ohio is for lovers, which oh, hurts man. my feelings because I consider that a good song. That is um, not a good song. <laughs> I don't care. That is uh, Sean Mullen's Lullaby. The lyrics seem so deep when I was young. They aren't. Along those lines, I was recently listening to, I don't even remember what I was listening to, but it ended up triggering like a daily mix on Spotify of like, late 90s early 2000s soft rock <laughs> and a lot of that music was like i was like sobbing belting it out down the highway like last week but not good music no like i'll be by edwin mccain terrible oh. song probably oh. what i want played at my wedding but terrible yeah. song um <laughs> And then anything from I Set My Friends on Fires, You Can't Spell Slaughter. Oh, my God. I, I, think, um, I think Maxie put one, right? He did. He put Bowling for Soup, High School Never Ends. Oh, that's a good pick. <laughs> that is a good pick. Um, and then Jared Justice actually quote tweeted it and said, simple plan, pick any song. And that's actually very true. Yes. Because <laughs> simple plan terrible but well listen no no they're pretty bad no i'm just a kid still slaps and you know what it still holds true because i am just a kid and life is a nightmare okay Um, Uh, oh my oh my god (laughs) addicted great song i do anything great song so maybe remember when i couldn't remember the difference between uh i think it was welcome to my life and untitled um 
because I think that happened on our very first podcast episode. Um, it all comes full circle. Uh, I do remember, so Still Not Getting Any came out during the throes of my cross-country career. Um, that was in 2004. And, yeah, that was their second album. Um, yep. And I remember singing most of those songs on the bus on our way to meet and really pissing our coach off. So it's nostalgic. Um, they're definitely a contender for me. They're not my number one pick for a song that is now objectively bad, but I still unapologetically love. Because there's one song that's shown up on... No, there's two, actually. Two songs that have shown up on every top of insert year on Spotify since they started doing that. For me, it's shown up every year. Um, but I want to hear yours first. Is, is it Smash Mouth for you? Is that really your final answer? Well, I don't even think that song is bad, to be honest. I think it's a great song. Okay. So what would you say is bad now, but you... And not not problematic bad. It's just no, unapologetically no. terrible. Like, Oh, man. I kind of want to rescind the Smash Mouth song because All Star just slaps, and it still slaps. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, you go first. Let me think. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you're gonna make fun of me though. Um, so every year, without fail, um, a little bit by Fifty Cent and Sierra's <laughs> goodies show up no. in my my top songs. That's and. In retrospect, I would argue that 50 Cent is still great. Goodies, not a good song, but I'll listen to that until I break my, like, until I break my iPhone. Yeah. Fantastic song. Just not very objectively good. That's, I can agree. I I guess I'll go with Simple Plan, even though I, I disagree that it's like I think I'm just a kid holds up, but maybe not for a 30 year old like me. So I'll just go with <laughs> a, a simple plan song. I mean, looking back, so when I was a kid, my mom was like very staunchly. I could buy music, like I could buy CDs and support artists, as long as she didn't have any like strong moral objection to them, and so. I wasn't allowed to buy Britney Spears CDs, um, which looking back, like, I think that's why I have so much unaddressed trauma um, <laughs> and why I am the way that I am. Uh, I also was not allowed to buy Avril and I was not allowed to buy Simple Plan because they were whiny. That was my mom's, like, her direct quote. I was like, they're punk. Like, you like, you like this type of music. And she was like, no, listen to their voices. They're so whiny. And she's kind of right. Listening back, like, very whiny voices. Uh, More so Avril than Simple Plan. Like, Complicated, incredibly whiny. Uh, Complicated rocks. Skater boy rocks. It does rock. It does rock. Um, But she was right. Like, very whiny voices. Um, It was was made for teenagers that were feeling things. (laughs) And that's what we were when they came out. <laughs> but, like, that's the thing is, she would let me buy other albums. So, like, I think I owned Evanescence. 
Because she was like, see, she can sing. She's not whining. They're so dark, though. (laughs) Once again, that's why I am the way I am. (laughs) I was allowed to, like, I owned Evanescence and I owned Blue October, which are both very dark. Um, Blue October almost more so than Evanescence. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, neither of those were, like, using wine. Like, the nasally voices, that's what she didn't like. And in retrospect, like simple plan, kind of whiny sounding. I get it. Uh, Like I get kind of. They're very like yeah, they're (laughs) whiny sounding. Um, They're very whiny, but so that's that's a good pick. Like I think that's a very good pick because they are they're very whiny sounding, but like we still love them. Yes, sure. I mean, I don't like necessarily like listen to them. Yes, like if they come on your your Spotify, you're gonna get really excited. Yeah, if yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Sure. I won't yeah, okay. Fair. Uh, <laughs> moving this bad boy along. We're gonna <laughs> grow to our next segment with our guest, Kat Do you just wanna tell uh everyone what we can expect in the next segment with our guest that joined us? Yeah, it's been a it's been a super busy week in, in the hockey world. Um we've had some drama, we've had some trades. Um, I believe in our last episode, we talked a little bit about some of those, but um, the NWHL started their bubble, um, which, by the way, the the Minnesota Whitecaps have not lost a game since. I tweeted that. Yes, you you tweeted it. Ali Morris, their backup goalie, came on our podcast before the season started. They have not lost a game since. Um, So, yeah, you're welcome. They they played in two really... um, really exciting games uh the first game against toronto they were down 5-1 they came back and won 6-5 in a shootout and then they won a really close one against uh the metropolitan team the riveters they, i think they won one nothing and scored with like 13 seconds left and they uh, also beat they beat the boston pride in their first game which was yeah. super exciting because that's two of the best goalies in the nwhl lavisa yes. salander and amanda levier like I expected that game to be super exciting, and it was. Yep. It was super exciting. Um, uh, The product has been uh, great. It's been a a lot of uh, great hockey to watch, and they're on Twitch, and uh, they're going to be having their playoffs on NBCSN, so there's a lot of good hockey to look forward to in the upcoming days as well. And uh, if you... Are a professional athlete and you want to go undefeated you should come on our podcast <laughs> yes i think this is that's the bottom line there um <laughs> yeah but yeah but, there there's been really good hockey um but unfortunately off the ice uh it's been messy as fuck um and yeah. n- not necessarily the fault of the league but through the fault of dave portnoy um so we brought on a guest who we thought would have a really good perspective um and so we will jump right into that segment uh, yeah, so just stay tuned. All right, uh, so joining us tonight, um, I'm super excited. We have uh, Marie. She is, if you follow either of us on Twitter, mostly if you follow me and go to my likes, you'll see that I like everything she says. Uh, at Cowgirl Bebop on Twitter. Um, 
We have her joining us today to talk a little bit about uh, just how messy the NHL has been this year, because that's like her favorite thing to talk about. Marie, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I wanted to start uh, just just to give our listeners a little bit of background. Um, so you are you are a Capitals fan, right? Are you from the mm-hmm. D.C. area officially? I'm born and raised in Virginia. So the Capitals were the closest team. Um, and I got into hockey in college. I went to Howard University in D.C. Okay. So they were about, I guess back then it was still called the Verizon Center, it was about a 10-minute train ride down the street. Um, randomly turned on the TV one day thinking that the Washington Wizards were playing and they weren't. There was a <laughs> hockey game on instead. And I was like, well, I'm in the house. I may as well just watch it. And I, and then I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So <laughs> I've been a fan ever since. Have you gotten your friends involved too? Or do they just like leave you, leave you be with your TV? The only one I've gotten involved is my mom. I have, she, she was, Ooh. when I was, when she was younger, she used to be kind of a Rangers slash Islanders fan. She grew up in New York city. Um, she didn't really have a preference between the two teams and, but I've converted her into a capitalist fan. Like we've gone to games, we've gone to practice. She's all in now. What, what part of the city, uh, was your mom from the Bronx? Oh, so is mine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She grew yeah, up in the she... North Bronx. Oh, is she a Yankee fan? Um, I don't think she was ever huge with baseball. baseball My yeah. grandmother's a, a Mets fan, which, oh. you know, that's, um, a choice. That is, that is, that's a sad choice that's a very yeah. sad choice that's, i was like you is, like suffering yeah that's <laughs> that is a choice but that's that's great that so she she rooted for the islanders and rangers and you turned her on to the caps and mm-hmm. i'm assuming uh 20 was it 2017 2018 when they won the cup was very cathartic for you guys she she actually didn't jump on board until after they won the cup. I think she oh. came. I finally converted her around 2019 or so. Okay. But she has her Ovechkin jersey. She was a big Holby fan. She was sad to see him go. Um, and then, you know, whenever I go to visit her, if the Caps are playing, I'll turn on the game. She's like me. A lot of complaints over the game. <laughs> during the game, I should say. So we have fun with that. We're trying to drag my dad to a game, but he hasn't been to a sporting event since Joe Namath left the Jets. So <laughs> that's been a, a, high, a tall order. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that my, my mom grew up in Canada. And so she played hockey as a kid. Couldn't care less about hockey now. Absolutely really? Does, yeah, absolutely doesn't care. But my dad, I'll bring him to games with my daughter. And he's like this happy little elf. Because he's like this <laughs> five foot one Jewish guy. And so he's like the tiny, cutest little thing you've ever seen. Looks like a little little mini Bernie Sanders. And he goes to the game with this big grin on his face, wearing one of my jerseys because they fit him. <laughs> and like sits there with my daughter and just goes nuts. And he'll send me selfies and he takes pictures of the ice. And then my mom just sits there with them and like quietly sips her soda watches to see when my daughter falls asleep in the chair and then like says it's time to go so they're like kind of the opposite of your parents (laughs) she's like finally we're free (laughs) now so you got involved 
was watching hockey in college. And mm-hmm. so how long after that did you end up? Because you, you said that you went to the very first Black Girl Hockey Club meetup. And that was, was that 2017 or 2018? I think that was 2018. Um, I found out about it on Twitter, just like everybody else. And, you know, they announced that their first meetup was going to be at a Capitals game. And believe it or not, I had never been to a Capitals home game. I had only seen them play away. Um, Because when I was in college, the tickets, like Wizards tickets were cheap because they're terrible. But the Caps (laughs) were actually pretty decent and I couldn't afford those tickets. And then by the time I finally graduated school and got a job, I was living in New York City. So I would only see them, you know, when they came to play the Devils or the Islanders And I was like, that's a great opportunity to actually go into Capital One Arena and see the team. So, you know, I I signed up for the emails, got the information. Um, I already knew Fatu. Um, She and I were in the uh, New York City Caps crew, um, which went to a lot of the the Caps games in New York. Um, And she was like, yeah, come on, let's go. And I went and we had a fantastic time. The Caps were excellent hosts. Um, I was really glad to see them jump on the board with that organization so early. I mean, obviously, you know, now it seems like every team is clamoring to invite the Black Girl Hockey Club, but the Caps really stepped up initially and they, they, we had a wonderful night. That, if I remember correctly, Number one, seeing the pictures of that, you're taller than I thought you were. Oh, yeah. I'm like five nine. Everyone else in those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and number two, you had the best jersey of anyone because that was an Ovechkin KHL jersey, right? That Ooh. was actually when we went to the Rangers. I, had, I have a Backstrom's number 69 KHL jersey. <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> and oh, I And I paid a pretty penny for it, and it's one of my most prized possessions. Wait, was that, his, it should be. was that his number in the KHL? Yeah, he started off with 99, and of course, everyone obviously, like, lost, like, lost it. And right. so he was like, watch this, and he changed it to 69. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked around and found out what he was going to change it. exactly that's, so that's, but when i went amazing. to the capitals game i had actually left like forgot my jersey at home i had like a matt niskanen jersey at the time and i forgot it at home but i had brought a i got this just like cheap thing on etsy it was a like a Wu. it was like a cross between the capitals weagle and the wu-tang clan logo <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I wore to the Caps game, and it was a big hit. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> that that's, so you've so you've been to two of them then, uh, or have you been to more after that too? I've been to. So I went to the Caps one. I went to with them to the Rangers. I went with them to the Islanders, and I went to another one with the Caps. So I think I've been to about four. I may be forgetting one, four or five of their meetups. That's awesome. Uh, I know I saw you and you and Fatu were tweeting. You guys are actually the reason I first found out about it because you guys had been tweeting about it. Um, And how, because for me, as soon as, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, 
that's amazing. Hockey needs that. But obviously that's not something that my very pale ass <laughs> is, identifies with as much, obviously. So from from the perspective of actually being able to to benefit from having that kind of a community, what how necessary was it to have that? Like what how big of a void did it fill for for you and for others, obviously, in hockey? Well, for me, I'll say Fatu was the only other black hockey fan that I knew. Male, female, she was the only one I'd ever met. Um, as you might imagine, hockey is not very popular at Howard University. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I was watching a lot of games by myself. And then, you know, other than my mom, who had stopped watching the game decades ago, you know, I didn't have any family. I didn't have any friends or anyone who was a fan of the sport. And finally having a group to go to a game with where you didn't feel, what's the word? I'd say overpowered and outnumbered because, you know, and lots of fans have shared their experiences before. Going to a hockey game as a Black person, especially as a Black woman, is not always the most comfortable experience. And every once in a while, you do run into these assholes who, like, make it a point to remind you that they don't think you belong and that they don't think you should be there. But when you go and you're rolling, like, you know, 40, 50 people deep, they don't, you know, they save that chatter for when it's just one or two of you by yourselves. When you're with a whole group and you can just sit there and enjoy the game, you know, every once in a while people will ask us questions like, you know, you know, what group is this? Because, you know, you don't see 40 or 50 black women at a hockey game, but I've never experienced any sort of negative reaction when I'm with this group. And I think it's, it's given a lot of us a chance to just sit there and enjoy the game and not wonder, you know, are the guys who are getting progressively drunk behind you going to start talking about your hair or something like that? So it's just, it, it kind of wraps a blanket of safety and solidarity around you so that you can do what other hockey fans always seem to be able to do is just go and enjoy the game and have a good time with your friends as opposed to, like I said, worrying about is someone going to come out the side of their mouth and start talking slick just because they don't think black people belong. That's, I mean, I, I say that's crazy to me, not because I can't imagine it happening, but because that's, that's just wild. The, yeah. It, it's the year of our Lord, 2021. Like, mm-hmm. do they yeah. really think that, that's, Man, that's crazy to me. You go to some hot, you go to some, I mean, it's probably a lot of arenas, but you go to some arenas around the country at NHL arenas, go to an NHL game. And it's like, they fucking time warp back to yeah. when it, and like, I, I like I've gone to games where I still hear people saying the hard F homophobic slur word. Mm-hmm. And like, and it's just like, 
what, what year do you think this is where you think that's okay to say that? What the fuck? Like, and it's, it's such a different experience. Cause I, you know, I'm a big sports fan. I unfortunately am a Washington sports fan. So that's come with a lot of pain over the years, but you know, I go to <laughs> baseball games, I go to basketball games. And, and like I said, before I was a hockey fan, I would still am unfortunately a huge wizards fan. <laughs> that's not my experience at wizards games. I go to a wizards game. I'm having a great time. Everyone's having a great time. I have my little drink there my overpriced hot dog. Like I'm enjoying the terrible basketball, but when you go to a hockey game more than the NFL, more than even baseball games, it's like, yeah. I mean, there's been so many times where I've looked around the arena and if, unless I went with someone that I knew, I I didn't see any other black people except the people working there. Yes. And you see them, you know, doing concessions or ushers, but there's no other black people in the crowd. And like I said, you you kind of always are on alert because you know that a certain number of people there don't want you there. And once they get enough liquid courage in them, they will say so. And like every black fan that I know has had some sort of negative experience at a game. It's just, just like the players. There's no black player who, and and I don't want to just say black, there's no player of color, really, who has not had some sort of negative experience in a locker room, in the ice, sometimes from your teammates, sometimes from your coaches. Like, you have to be constantly aware. But like I said, Black Girl Hockey Club gives you a chance to kind of put your guard down and just enjoy the, like, all we want to do is enjoy the game. We just want to watch the game. That's it. And just a quick aside, like you talk about going to a Wizards game, like I'm a Knicks fan, so I share your misery, first of all. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> but like just comparing it going to an NBA game, like I've gone to a Knicks Heat playoff game and like, yeah, there was so much shit talking, but like, you know, it was fun, you know, it was, yeah, yeah you like, but it's nothing like when you go to a hockey game where it's like, you'll hear a racial or homophobic slur. Yeah, like, you will. You you like you said. I've never heard it at an NBA game. I've I've gone to Yankee Stadium. I've never heard it. I've gone mm-hmm. to the Meadowlands. Never. You know what I mean? So I absolutely uh, understand what you're saying with that. It's just like for whatever reason, uh, like drunk hockey fans are just awful. Yeah, and and I think one thing that a lot of people like. Obviously, there are a lot of people who do get it, but then there are those who don't. It's it's just like I said, like we're not looking for anything special. We're not looking for anything that's above what a, like we really just want to be regular fans. We want to be able to watch the game, talk about the game, have fun with our friends, pay twenty one dollars for bad wine <laughs> and just enjoy this entertainment product but it's like the culture constantly won't let us. And unfortunately, at no level, at least in my opinion, has there been a serious push to change that. You know, the NHL talks, a, I don't even want to call it a good game. They talk a game. <laughs> but the, their, their, their actions in that regard, at least in my opinion, have just been woefully inadequate. And I think at the very least, if they can't create an environment where fans feel safe in the arena and they can just come and enjoy the game and have a nice night, 
than like they're always going to be the redheaded stepchild of the big four sports leagues because you know fans of color we have money too yeah we can we can pay to go to games we can buy merchandise we can subscribe to you know the tv subscription but if you don't want us we're not going to give you our hard-earned dollars. There are, there are those like me who are willing to stay and fight because we we love the game so much. But there are a lot of people who are like, look, I, I'll watch the Knicks before before I go to this place and be abused. So. <laughs> yeah, and Nick, being a Knicks fan is plenty of abuse enough. Um, but I just I w- think about those Stephen A. Smith videos where he's, I am having a very bad day. (laughs) But now how much of that would you say is on the white fans? And like, we don't, we don't see as much of the fully racialized divide in Arizona, because I think that I I was looking it up during, during the election, just to see what the demographic breakdowns are state by state Mm -hmm. in Arizona. We have like, we have almost no black people here, Yeah, but we have, I think it's, close to almost half of our population is Hispanic mm-hmm. and a lot of them don't speak English. And mm-hmm. even just at work, if somebody isn't speaking English, uh, cause I'm, I'm the bilingual employee at work. And so I'm the one who basically works with the, the Spanish speaking customers. And mm-hmm. the things that I hear the other people say about that is appalling and mm-hmm. that's just linguistic. That's not even a visible reason to hate someone. They don't know until they hear someone start talking. So how much of that is on when we hear that type of language, whether it's, you know, pushing out the Hispanic fans in Arizona or pushing out the black fans anywhere else in North America, how much of that's on on the white fans around them to to basically check the drunk person? <laughs> Like how much how much of that is on everybody else to to not make you feel like you have to roll up to a game squad deep every time you want to go? I think I think a lot of it. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things like check the people around you, even when there's not like a visible minority who might overhear it. Don't wait until you're in some awkward situation where you're two seats down from a black family and someone's saying something like check your friends, you know, call your friend. They'll be like, yo, dude, like, that's not cool. Like, let's just leave them alone. Maybe mix in a water, like, you know, cut it out. I I always say like racism is not a problem for people of color to solve. Like it's not on us to dig ourselves out of a hole that we were put in. Like racism is a, or I should say racism against people of color is a problem for white people to solve. Like that's, they created it. They created, or I should say, they created a system that put us in this position. It's on them to find the solution. And so, you know, you'd like to see more fans, players, organizations, Kind of take this issue seriously and make it a priority. Now, you know, over the summer when, you know, we saw a lot of the protests here in the U.S., you know, a lot of players came out with with various statements. And to be honest, I was shocked. 
I never thought that they would, you know, like I said, I watch a lot of basketball, NBA players, NFL players speaking up like that's a given. But I never thought that we would see so many hockey players kind of put themselves out there um, and take some sort of stand. You know, I, I try to cut people a little bit of slack because I know for a lot of players, this was their first opportunity doing so. So I'm not, you know, I'm not expecting them to be as articulate or as well-versed or kind of take as much of a so-called risk as I would someone like Bradley Beal or John Wall when he was still in DC. Um, but, you know, it's like, do you want do you want your fans to feel safe? Do you want your teammates to feel safe? You know, if you do, it, it doesn't cost you anything to make it clear that that kind of behavior is not acceptable. You know, when, when people of color stand up against racism, you have to wonder, you know, yeah, I'm telling them to shut up. Are they going to punch me in the face next? Like, that's not that's not that much of a risk for, you know, white players, white fans, and and certainly not for organizations. So, you know, prioritize this, make it clear that all fans are welcome, except those who create harassing or dangerous environments for other people. Those fans aren't welcome, but you want everyone to be able to come and, and have a nice time and enjoy the game. So I think if, if more, organizations, more players, more fans took it upon themselves to kind of put their neck out a little bit. Uh, I really think that would help. I, yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to bring back to the point where you brought up how um, black players or a PSC player, they've have probably faced racism at one point. I think it all goes, you could say that hockey as a whole too, because I, there mm-hmm. have been so many examples in the junior leagues where black players have been dealt with racism from coaches and youth hockey where they've had to deal with racism from parents on the other team, parents on the same team, their teammates. So I, I also think you can bring not only the NHL, but bring it uh, to like hockey as a whole as well, like every division of it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's my sister has a, he's going to be six in four days. So my nephew, he's you know, mentioned, you know, he's at the age where he's trying a bunch of sports. He's done baseball. He's done basketball. He's done swimming. And he's kind of floated the idea of maybe wanting to try hockey. And my sister's at the point where she's like, look, do I want to sign my child up to be harassed and abused and called the N word just because he dared lace up some skates? Like for a lot of parents, like, that's a consideration. It's like, I, I know my child may be interested in a sport, but I'm going to steer them to something where they're, they're not going to, you know, I'm not going to pick them up from practice and they're going to be like, mommy, why are the other kids teasing me because my skin's too dark? Like, you know, parents want to protect their kids. They don't want to put them in situations where they know they're going to be hurt at some point. Um, so, you know, it's... <sighs> It really needs to start at all levels, but I think because the NHL is the premier league, if the NHL sets a better example, I, I think it will help it trickle down. But but like you said, it's a it's a big problem at every level of the sport. Which kind of brings us to to a very nice segue. Um, 
to briefly talk about uh, the NWHL. Mm-hmm. So NWHL had their bubble start. Um, I've been pleasantly surprised at just how many people I've seen tweeting about watching it, about like I've seen I've seen people sharing gifts and stats and really seems to for for a league that all the national team players left to try and bleed it out mm-hmm. so the NHL would step in it seems to sort of be doing the opposite like it it really seems to have fleshed itself out um but unfortunately um anyone who's listening to the podcast probably already knows um Barstool got involved and with Barstool there's usually a a misogynistic concern um, because of what a lot of their fans say and because of what their their masthead premier talent, Dave Portnoy, and I say talent with a big old asterisk next to it, but <laughs> but there's been there's been a big racial component to this one too. Um, and that's due to the fact that uh Barstool obviously had their their CEO, Eric Nardini, um has been participating in the bubble. I believe she's there. She had some players on her podcast. Um, apparently, she's been providing meals for teams, yada, yada. Um, some people expressed displeasure at that, as is their right, um, due to Barstool's history. And instead of handling it like a big girl, she created a hit video where she complained about who was being mean to her. Uh, <laughs> the, one of the most outspoken, yeah, it's so most fucking out- stupid. It's 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 baby shit. But then, uh, one of the most outspoken black players the league has seen yet, Soria Tinker, um, very involved with Black Girl Hockey Club. She's raising money for scholarships during her time in the bubble. She she called her out on it. She called Nardini out. Said, you know, you head an organization that has a history of white supremacist comments. Um, in a history of misogynistic comments, and I don't want that supporting my league. Like that's we don't we don't need that. And instead of trying to handle it like like big boys and girls, Dave Portnoy made a video suggesting that Soria Tinker should go to jail. Um, and what are watching that as you're because you're primarily a men's hockey fan, correct? You mm-hmm. don't watch a ton of the women's hockey. Yeah, I don't want to pretend like I'm a huge well-versed long-time women's hockey fan. I've been getting more into it following mainly, you know, the NWHL, um, you know, their games. And, you know, I've, I've been trying to, to learn a bit, a bit more about the league and the, the various players. Um, but, you know, just kind of watching this whole thing go down, it was disappointing on a couple of levels. Um, one, and I know I'm not alone in this. There are a lot of people who are looking to women's hockey and hoping that it offers an environment that's a bit more inclusive than men's hockey does. Um, You know, a lot of women's sports leagues tend to be a lot more progressive, a lot more advanced than the men's leagues on, on various issues like sexism, racism, social issues, um, you know, respect for LGBT players and fans. Um, and so it's been disappointing to kind of see that there are so many in women's hockey who like can't wait to cozy up to a brand whose culture is so toxic to so many of their fans. You know, they have a lot of fans 
who have been following them from the very beginning. They're very loud and very vocal in their support and then their demand for better coverage. You know, they want to see them on big television channels. They, they, they want to see them, you know, be featured on these big media sites. And to me, it feels like a betrayal of those fans. Um, and, and like I said, that's been pretty disappointing because it kind of just feels like more of the same. Um, and then on, on another front, it's just, to be honest, it's a bit baffling because, you know, every, these people keep making this argument that Barstool's exposure is going to grow the game. It's going to grow the sport. It's going to grow the league. But if you look at the NWHL's Twitter feed right now, each and every one of their tweets is flooded with these barstool stands talking about this is a terrible league. These players yeah. suck. You're all going to fold. Like, when's the bankruptcy proceeding? And yeah. it's like these people don't respect you. No. And they're never going to respect you. No, it's just so mommy and daddy can see. So Exactly. It's like they don't care about the players. They don't care about the teams. They don't care about the leagues. They don't know who any of you are. They have no desire to know who any of you are. They're only interested in that you have a, in that you might be associated with the brand that they grovel for. That's it. And it's it's crazy to me how people can't see that. And when I say people, I mean some of the players. Um, you know, there's been comments from some players in the um, what is it, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. There's been some comments from even um, some NWHL staff members. And it's like, are you really willing to sell out yourself, your sport, and your fans for a little bit of attention for people who will turn on you like a hammer toe in an instant? Beautiful. If you dare cross, like you said, mommy and daddy, to me, it's just like, like, that's the kind of thing we did when we were in middle school. You know, you try to play up with the mean boys, the mean girls, or or you think, well, maybe if I'm cool with these, um, you know, these asshole guys, they'll think that I'm somehow different. And it's just like, no, no, you're going to be treated just like they treat everybody else. Just because you're not on the hit list today doesn't mean you're not going to be tomorrow. And like I said, it's just, it's a betrayal of the people. There are writers who are extremely good at their jobs and they're inside and outside of these main media um, companies. Some of them have created media companies specifically to cover you and your sport. A lot of them are working for free. They're or very little money. They're coming out of their own pocket to provide coverage that you've been denied by other media organizations, and you just throw them to the wolves. I can't think of a single one of them that I follow who hasn't at some point had to go private because these Barstool fans invade their mentions. I I feel like everyone that covers that league has had to go go private the past couple days. And and, and even before then, even before then. So it's just like, like it's almost to the point where, like I said, I'm not the the biggest, I'm still a relatively new women's hockey fan, but I almost feel like I don't have the bandwidth to get invested 
in another league that's just going to stab me in the heart and the back again. Like, I'm having a hard enough time sticking around men's hockey. And it's just like, like how much more can hockey culture ask of such a, a large portion of their fan base? I don't think people, a lot of people realize how big, you know, the the fan base that would be directly impacted by that sort of association really is. It's just, it's, it's very frustrating. They, they're what, what kills me. Uh, one of the many things about this is uh, Erica Nardini is acting like she has made the NWHL what it is right now, which no, First of all, they've they they're the playoffs are going to be on N, uh, NBCSN. That wasn't mm-hmm. any help from Barstool. Their social media engagement has been like from all their teams has been making a lot of money off from Twitter and Instagram. That wasn't from Barstool. Uh, the thousands of Twitch uh, people watching the regular season games on Twitch wasn't from Barstool. So like, give me a fucking break. Like you didn't build up this league. Stop acting like you did. Yeah, and and it's just like what, like. Who are you, who would they even be building the league with? The people who are attacking the end of like those aren't fans. <laughs> yeah. Like who are you exposing them to? Like I said, to me it's just it's a lot of high school antics. It's a lot of people with gigantic egos who can't take valid criticism and it's a lot of just online weirdos who can't wait to try to tear down something for the gross sin of saying, Hey, maybe don't attack some of the people who have been our biggest supporters since the beginning. Like that's really all the NWHL did. They said, Hey, don't attack our writers. Don't attack our players. We think that's inappropriate. And now look what they're dealing with. So, I mean, it's just, to me, for what the league is trying to become, the values that they're trying to establish themselves. And, you know, this is a, a, still a very young league. They're only in their sixth season. This is really the time where you establish your culture. You establish what you stand for. You establish your value proposition. To me, any sort of association with a brand like that who brings such a toxic element to 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 the fans who have had your back watching games through those doorbell cameras. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling to me. It's, it's crazy because in theory, Barstool has such an easy path to at the very least, not endearing themselves to the generalized population, but getting to a point where they could cover the women's league without creating a huge fuss Mm -hmm. because all they have to do is call out their toxic fans because that's their big claim is they like to say, you know, we're supporting the women's league. We can't stop our fans from, from doing this and saying this. And I've heard exactly two of them in the history of Barstool, shame the fans who do that. Two. Yeah. It was, Biz did it on their podcast one time. He had like a 15-minute segment 
where he called them clowns and he called them babies. And he said, if you're listening to us and we disagree with someone and you go and start threatening them in their mentions, like you're pathetic. Uh, mm-hmm. stop doing it. What are you doing? We don't like you for that. We're not going to favorite your tweet for that. Like, get out of here. And then I think it's Big Cat, the the bigger guy who does the the podcast with PFT mm-hmm. He's called them out for it too. And that's it. And the rest of them are like, oh, we don't, we don't claim those fans. It's not our fault that they comment like that. Uh, but yeah. they're perfectly willing to make a video making fun of the women's league media. They're not willing to make a video making fun of the clowns who are making comments about making them a sandwich and about showing them their tits and shit Mm -hmm. like that. They're not willing to make that video. So you know which one they're tiptoeing around. And 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 see, this is, oh, go ahead. Shit. It would be so easy to just, if you make a video calling them out and you, you call them clowns and you call them cowards and you show all of their names, to essentially dox the guys who are who are trying to harass these women, you don't necessarily earn goodwill with everyone, as you shouldn't. Uh, Dave Portnoy has had some segments that I frankly think nobody should forgive him for. I think until he's gone from the company, like you can't really support them. But Correct. you can at the very least get the mainstream, because that's where they get the majority of their tweets and their engagement is from people who are not engaged enough online to follow the petty drama. They just see them retweeting funny videos and they share the videos. And that that's where you get most of the bar stoolers from. And then you get this like 5,000 person sect of like fucking terrorists. Yeah. And they're somehow scared to shun that group. That group's not big enough to make a dent in their overall revenue. The fact that they won't like shove them away, that's coward shit. And I actually think it's worse than that. I don't think it's I don't think it's that they're afraid to push those people away. I think they find them useful. I yep. think they weaponize them. And that's exactly what I think that whole video was for. It, they're not unaware how a lot of their fans operate. They know if you quote somebody or you mention somebody they who said something bad about you or the company, they will go after them. Putting together, knowing that, and then putting together a video that didn't even call you out. None of the tweets even called her out by name, but they just talked about the company putting together a video and plastering all their names and all of their Twitter handles. Like that to me, you sick the dogs on these people. That's that, And that to me is even more insidious because it's not even like I'm a coward. It's I know these people are crazy and that's useful to me when I want to harass somebody, but no, I can't do it myself. So I have no respect for that move. Like I said, I'd never heard of this woman. Um, you know, I understand she's the CEO of the company. I didn't know who she was. Like I don't engage with their content. I was not familiar with her. Um, but when I saw that tweet kind of making rounds on my timeline, I was like, you can't say in one breath that I support women's hockey and then unleash a legion of harassers on people just because they said things that you didn't like about their company. There's one 
way to, if you really felt that you needed to defend yourself, there's a way to do that without knowingly putting people in harm's way. And she chose not to do that. And that to me speaks volumes. I would agree there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's the perfect way to put it. There's, there's really no, and I guess, like I said, I think some of them are being cowards about it. Um, mm-hmm. But especially for me, I think the person she's afraid of saying anything and stepping on the toes of is Dave Portnoy. And the Absolutely. buck stops there, which is insane to me. And he, is, he put yeah. out a video, I think it was like a year ago, where he called himself uncancelable. And he, he was like taunting the world because he'd said something it wasn't his comment about Colin Kaepernick looking like a terrorist. It wasn't his comment about if you're a size six and you wear skinny jeans, you kind of deserve to be raped. Like, was it sorry, when he used the N word? Yeah, he used the N word. I think it might have been. Yeah, might have been that one. <laughs> and it just, just keeps getting he, worse. <laughs> he was like, "I'm uncancelable," and what's sad is he's right. Yeah, he's yeah. uncancelable because he's he's deplorable and he's gross but there are a lot of deplorable gross people left and it's it's been like that for 20 years with him or however long that fucking because that site was like on when i was in like it was starting or was gaining steam when i was in college in the late 2000s and uh yeah it's been his mo for the past 15 fucking years and nothing ever happens to him and it sucks (laughs) like like elon musk and all those weird elon musk fans who will like take a bullet in the back for a man who would step on your carcass just because he would think it was funny like it's like it's to me it's pathetic like at your big big age you're online for no money and no recognition defending people who do heinous things right to be mean like basically defending their right to be shitheads yeah like it's just it's it's whack to me it's all whack to me there's so many cooler people you could idolize or look up to or like so many cool athletes and musicians and whoever the fuck but you choose to fucking idolize dave portnoy like give me a break like like i don't i don't see the appeal i truly don't yeah there's and yeah, it like my God. <laughs> yeah, That's it's just the thing. Like there are some of them that you know you'd if they if they said something bad, you'd be disappointed because they're funny or because they seem nice. But like he doesn't even seem nice. He's mean. He's not funny. He's not particularly original. Like I don't I don't get. I don't get what purpose he serves in their lives. I He's just don't. like them. That's what it is. He's an asshole like they are. And they're like, look at this. Like, I'm, I'm an asshole and everyone hates me. But look at this asshole and he's rich and successful and he has all these fans. Like, they see themselves in him. They, like you said, they defend his right to be mean because they're mean and they want to be mean. That's why they go on their Twitter raids you know, and swarm the mentions of random people who happen to to say a crossword about the company 
like he's an idol to them because that's how they are and that's how they want to be. Like I said, I think it's whack. Um, you know, there's nothing I can do to put Barstool out of business. I just like I don't engage with their content. I, you know, I don't retweet even their sports clips. I don't listen to spit and chicklets. Like I just to me, I'm just like, look, that's a company. I think they're heinous. I think a lot of their fans are heinous. And I'm just going to steer as far clear as I can. I mean, there's, there's not too much I can do about it, but I will, you know, other than be vocal when organizations that I care about, you know, decide that they want to lock lips with Barstool. Um, But I mean, outside of that, it's just, it's not worth the stress. Like being a, a, being a, a black woman hockey fan online is stressful enough. Like the last thing I need is like a a, a pirate raiding party in my mentions. Like I truly <laughs> like I, I like I just want to retweet my K-pop gifts. Like leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, let me let me go on record by the way saying I follow you. I love everything you tweet. I have no idea what you're talking about with any of that K-pop stuff. And I watch <laughs> it go by and I nod and I smile. And sometimes I even watch the video and I still have no idea what I'm watching. There's yeah, you and there's my- like three other people who are in <laughs> hockey who are also K-pop fans. No idea what's going on. None yeah, I, my, my timeline is a mixed bag of things. <laughs> like I use it to just dump whatever I'm thinking at the time. I've been a... And I I don't even want to call myself too much of a K-pop fan because there's only one group that I like, but I've been their fan for, it's going on 10 years now. And I just, you know, I see my favorite member in a flower crown and I just, I can't resist. I hit that (laughs) RT. (laughs) I'm like, look, if you don't like it, you can, that same button you hit to follow is how you unfollow, but that's how it works on this timeline. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because the things we're talking about with Barstool, just that that crazed fanaticism, the only other place I've seen that is with Ariana Grande fans, Taylor Swift fans, and K-pop fans. Yep. They would... And please help me understand (laughs) Because I I like music. I love music. And I have some artists that, like, I love. There is no musical artist that I would willingly go to battle for, that I would be willing to get, like, shot in the head for. And I vaguely feel like there are some people on Twitter who would, like, happily get shot in the head for their favorite K-pop band, for Taylor Swift, or for Ariana Grande. And I don't understand it. For them, it's for a lot of people, it's part of their identity. So when you, or at least do something in their mind, because a lot of times it's not an actual attack, but in their minds, when you attack that artist, they feel like you're attacking them. Like they take it extremely personally. Like you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to even say, hey, yeah, I heard this new. Taylor Swift song wasn't for me. Like they take it as a personal offense and they're so wrapped up in this artist that they've lost part of themselves in the process. And it's like, they can't distinguish between their real life and, you know, a K-pop artist or a pop star anymore. 
And like I said, they take all this stuff extremely personally. Like, like K-pop Twitter is a, like, it's awful. Like, hockey Twitter is bad. K-pop Twitter is, like, <laughs> it puts it to shame. It's a million times worse. And it's just, like, like I said, people just get so wrapped up into it. it, it I, I stick to my own corner. I say what I want to say because I know at the end of these, like, my policy is this. At the end of the day, you're not going to fight me. So you can say what you want, but you're not going to come in my house and drag me around by my hair. So like, you know, whatever. Um, but it's just, it's, it's crazy, man. It's a jungle. There are some corners of Twitter where I tell, like, if people tell me they're like, Hey, I'm thinking of getting into K-pop. I'm like, turn back. Like, you don't want no parts of what's going on. Run, over don't here. Walk. <laughs> exactly. Like I, it's too late for me. I'm lost, but you can still save yourself. <laughs> 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 it's so funny because the only other thing, like other than shitty like mid two thousands punk music, that I really engage in on Twitter is running. Because mm-hmm. I'm a running coach, and that's the opposite. Like as toxic as hockey is, and arguably as toxic as like baseball can be and football can be, mm-hmm. the, the running community is the nicest group of people. They just want to go out there. They're they're a little crazy because they want to go out there and run like twenty miles a day, and they're <laughs> but they're excited for you when you finish your twenty miles too. Like if it takes them two hours and it takes you fourteen, like they're ecstatic for you. And if you don't like the same shoe they do, they're ecstatic for you as long as you find the right thing. Like they're just it's nothing but positive vibes because they like they have such an overload of serotonin from all the mm-hmm. running. And then you go on and you see like the other little like niche parts of Twitter like K-pop and you're like, what is, it, it's like, it's like that community gif. Like you walk in with the pizza and everything's mm-hmm. on fire. And you're like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I want to be here right now. <laughs> yeah. It, that, that sounds so pleasant. I, I wish I could experience that. <laughs> we're always happy to, we're always happy to recruit more runners. The only downside is people hate us because they don't want to hear come running with us. They're like, get the fuck away from me. We know nobody else wants to be our friends. <laughs> I kind of have a policy that I don't run unless I'm being chased, but I am a big power walker. That's my cardio, my daily Ooh. cardio. <laughs> I love power walkers. We have some power walkers that I, I host a group run on Sunday mornings. Um, and we actually have a guy who used to be a runner and then he had like quadruple bypass surgery because he had a heart attack mm. a few years ago. And so he can't run anymore. Like his ticker is not going to, it's not going to hold that. So he power walks and we all do six miles and he does like a mile and a half where he just walks out and we catch up to him on the way back. And mm-hmm. like, he does it every week and it's, it's awesome. Like he, he's in as good a shape as the rest of us are. Like he's clearly, he's the one who like, He's gaming the system. The rest of us are stupid. Um. <laughs> I love it. I think it's much easier. I have, I had like two knee injuries in college and I think it's much easier on my knees. Um, like I, 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 I go power walking out in my neighborhood just about every day. It's, you know, I take my 45 minutes to an hour in the evenings, put my headlamp on and just get to it and love it. <laughs> so you say that, but you see, I currently have eight pieces of kinesio tape on my knee. Uh, so <laughs> my knee feels fine now, too. 
You're, you choose to walk. He's like, so who's the smart one here? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> now, before we let you go for the evening, I did want to talk to you a little bit about, uh, I, I know we talked about it before we officially hit record here. Um, Greg Wyshynski was sharing a comment from uh, Columbus Blue Jackets general manager, Yarmo Kekalainen, um, where he was, saying that he just doesn't understand. Everybody talked to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Uh, for our listeners, that's the center who got traded to Winnipeg for Patrick Laine this past week. And Yarmo was like, oh, I just, I don't understand. He, all of us talked to him. He never said he, he didn't want to be here. He never said he had any problems. I just don't know why he left. And your comment on it was incredible. Like, I laughed. <laughs> physically out loud my daughter asked me what was funny and I had to like try and explain it to her but you without the expletives <laughs> yeah she's so for our, for you and our listeners uh I went to put my daughter to bed earlier this week and she did not want to go to bed as early as I told her she had to and I told her to you know just deal with it and she looks at me like dead in the eye and goes so you expect me to lay down right here all fucking night? <laughs> <laughs> and she is four. So You know what? Look, sometimes like, you got to spice it up. What does SpongeBob call it? Those sentence enhancers? Yeah, <laughs> Flavor your language. That's, that's what she did. And then she looked at me and she said, yes, I said fucking. I know I'm not supposed to. Sorry. And I've never heard anybody sound less sincere in my life. <laughs> she was like, look, you're not going to fight me. So. <laughs> yeah. What, what I was going to do was I, I had to actively keep myself from laughing there. But, <laughs> but your, your comment was, what was it? You just, you said that like, he just didn't like them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, he clearly just don't like y'all shit. Like hang yeah. it up. <laughs> Like, to me, it's just, oh, I, I don't, let me just say this. Well, I don't like the Blue Jackets, okay? And Jackets fans, you can come <laughs> to me like, you know, y'all know where to find me. I don't like the Jackets. And, but I do like PLD. I think he's cool. I don't have any problem with him. And to me, all this whining and crying about, oh, he's a 22-year-old. He hasn't earned the right to want to leave. He's quitting on the team. How can he want? Like, look, it's over, okay? You've traded him. You have Patrick Line. Like, what is, what's the complaint? Like, what are you mad about? What are you won? If you won, he's gone. You have a, a player that, you know, some might argue is a better player. Like, just... He he don't like y'all. Okay, I don't don't nobody like y'all. <laughs> Everyone leaves. Yeah, I'm that's like, actually look, very true. That's uh, that's sad but true. Yeah, you know I mean, why? It's that canon. It's that fucking canon. It's yeah. just the whole. As far as I'm concerned, the whole organization is whack top to bottom. The colors, the the uniforms are whack. The cannons whack. The players are whack. The coach is whack. Like, it, I, I'm kind of a Metro Division snob. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I don't know why the Jackets and the Canes are here. Like, I really don't. <laughs> and like I said, anybody who has a problem with that, 
it's at cowgirl underscore bebop. But <laughs> I just, I'm like, look, I, I'm, I don't miss them now that they're not in the division anymore. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> That's so yeah. funny. I was happy to see them go too, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, my, my thing, my biggest thing with the the jackets and the cane, I know this is kind of an aside, is the jackets don't really do this as much anymore. And I guess now that they're not in the division, the canes don't as well. But they've both taken terms kind of like trying to force rivalries with the caps. Right. And that to me is like, like how lame. It, it's really a lot of like, senpai notice me like we're not rivals we don't know you you can't create a rivalry over twitter like hang it up why are you so obsessed we don't return your calls (laughs) i feel like i feel like the can the guy that runs the canes account is like notorious for that yeah i'm like to me it's just like look a rival, like I have no problems with rivalries. Obviously, the Caps have a, a couple of rivalries in the division. To me, it needs to be organic. It needs to come on the ice. It's not because you left some snarky tweet that we didn't, that the the Caps didn't respond to. Like, you you'll find a rival when someone cares. Yeah. So this might <laughs> this might get me in trouble. I'm gonna say it anyway. Do it. A, rival, a rivalry starts when somebody has to be removed from the arena. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my thought. Like, I've only had to be removed from one hockey game. It was in <laughs> Philadelphia. Um, I tried to explain. Explains being. that That's a nice way of putting it. But I was, I was forcefully informing the usher that I bought my ticket. And I took <laughs> the train to Philly so I could be there. And he was like, no, you can't. Um, <laughs> I believe. Um, and like in Arizona, they try to form this rivalry with the Golden Knights. And I think on the ice, it kind of works. But off mm-hmm. the ice, I was at a game and I watched a Kings fan take an open beer and drop it from the upper deck down into the lower level <laughs> during the game. Guys, that's listening, don't do that. That's dangerous. Yeah. However, yeah, that's, that's it why is I was like, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this. Like, <laughs> not that I'm encouraging dropping an open beer because that that can hurt someone. Like, don't do that. But that's how a rivalry forms. Like watching yeah. a Bruins fan tumble down the stairs, fighting someone at the game. <laughs> that's how a rivalry forms. You don't form a rivalry by like tweeting at someone, fight me, bro, with like a cute little emoji. Yeah. And it, there has to be heartbreak. Like, there has to be, you know, some terrible seven-game series where both teams were super invested, both fan bases were super invested, and someone got their heart broken, and then you paid the favor back the next year or a few years from now. Like, that's how it really gets going. It's not... Play, is that why the Capitals don't series. have a... Is that why the Capitals don't have a rival, though? Because they don't back the seven game heartbreak i'm sorry we did it in six games okay (laughs) we finally showed up i mean look i i waited a long time and i suffered a (laughs) lot (laughs) waiting for the Cavs to finally get it together my best friend is a Cavs fan (laughs) and i just remember him texting me one year the lyrics to the wheels on the bus but he modified it so it was the wheels on the bus are falling off. Um, 
like as the game was being blown in a game seven, I, I feel like he was in like 2015 or something. And he was just texting me these made up lyrics over and over. And I was like, uh, he's, he's snapped. That's, <laughs> that's what Capitals fandom does to people. Yeah, I, I promised like- one time that Caps got eliminated in like stupid fashion. Like it was one of those series where they had like a three, one lead and blew it. And I just, I left my home and just wandered out into the night. Oh, like, I walked done. out into the dark, <laughs> aimlessly going up and down the streets. Like, <laughs> where, where do, where do any of us go from here? Like, what's the point in all of this? <laughs> I have, I have wandered the streets of Queens uh, many a nights after an hour. <laughs> boss. So I know it's like good. I gotta walk this off. I gotta walk this off. It's but they finally did it. Yeah. You know, now it looks like they'll never do it again. But. <laughs> They did it once, you know, I got my, my Stanley cup merch. So, you know, I always said, I just want to see one capital Stanley cup before I die. At this point, I'm going to be, let's, what date is it? Probably in my mid to late eighties by the time the wizards get it together. (laughs) But you know, it's, it, it was a long wait. Thankfully DC has had some success. So they, you know, the obviously the Mystics are fantastic. They won a championship. The Capitals won. The Nationals won. So I, I'm not a, a Washington football team fan. I'm a Ravens fan. So they've been winning. Ravens won. Oh yeah, the, I, I've seen them win twice. So I feel great. Uh, but, they, beat the, they beat the Giants the first time. Broke my heart when I was in fifth grade. That I running game, playing. nothing you can do about it. I know. <laughs> when they beat the when they beat the 49ers, though, I just remember Beyonce performed at that halftime show. In the I, I I've probably smoked weed like three times in my life, and that was the first one. And I just remember laying there sobbing when <laughs> this child came out. <laughs> and then, you had that stuff. Had you leaning? and I I was born in Towson Maryland so I was obviously rooting hard for the Ravens in that one like fuck the 49ers and and then the Ravens won and Beyonce came out and it was it was like the greatest night of my life it's only been downhill from there funny enough I know this is like a not what we were talking about a quick story I was actually living in Seoul Korea when they played that Super Bowl I was there I, I got my MBA at a Korean university so, you know, it's the middle of the day because of the time difference. I commandeered <laughs> one of the classrooms in the, um, like, the business school and put the game up on some, like, illegal feed on the projector and had a so-called Super Bowl party with, like, a bunch of Korean snacks with the very few Americans who were in my program and Koreans who had never seen football before. And they were like, what is all of this? Like, why is your country obsessed with this? And I'm like, I'm in there crying. I'm like, you don't understand. We're about to win a Super Bowl. And they're like, like, get, like, get a whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so we were both having a time is what you're saying. Yeah, it was. It was an experience. Everyone, everyone experiences the Ravens in a similar way. <laughs> so, so sort of. Going off of this, uh, circling all the way back to Yarmo and your comment, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Greg Wyshynski had put out the original tweet that you quote tweeted, and his response to you, he was like, man, 
I wish we had you as a commentator <laughs> on TV, which like instead of crusty Mike Babcock, who refers to himself in the third person and like mm. talks about how you need to nurture every player after getting incredibly accused of like emotionally abusing his players for 30 years. Super normal and cool. Yeah. Um, I'd much rather have someone like you. Uh, <laughs> where, how does hockey get there though? Cause I feel like we aren't even close. Like we, we get kind of close here and there. Cause like, like Kevin BX has been having a grand old time up in Canada when he goes on, mm-hmm. apparently he just like, he just had like an entire hour of standing for one of the players during one of the games. Like he just mm-hmm. openly and unapologetically like wrote a love <laughs> letter to them during the game. Uh, but like other than him, looking at Patrick Sharp is really nice. But it he, sure is. Like his, his commentary is not giving me a. It's good. Like he's accurate. He's correct. But it's not memorable. He doesn't like. Honestly, we had more personality with Mike Milbury, and that's a very bad thing. Ooh, so you never how did want we, to be on that end. Right? Like, how how did we go from we had personality, but it was tragic, and we <laughs> replaced it with, like, we replaced it with tiptoeing. How do we get to a point where they, like, how how do they get to that point where they have personality again? It just isn't, isn't racist. Like, how did, <laughs> how did they not, how did they not get that? I think I think it it's going to like the the shift is going to come on multiple fronts. So first of all, I think the league needs to understand that the way that a lot of people consume sports these days, you just being good on the field, on the court, on the ice is not enough to hold people's attention in a world where there's so many different things you can be watching or doing at any given time. And a lot of fans get invested in kind of the peripheral things. Like, you know, the NBA has done a really good job of embracing things like player fashion. Um, You know, there aren't too many hockey players who I would call fashionable. And it seems like one to, well, yeah. But it's like, what do you think of of Austin Matthews? I have complex thoughts on Austin Matthews. I think his fashion is, I'm not going to say I like it, but I like that he likes it. Like, I like that he, I like that he embraces his look. It's not a look for me, not that I would wear or that I would even necessarily praise, but I like that he puts himself out there. Um, The problem is players like Austin Matthews, they do something as simple as, hey, I'm going to wear these floral shirts or floral shorts. And, you know, people like to be like, oh, it's a distraction. Why aren't you focusing on the game? It's like players who even show a little bit of individuality or personality just get shouted down in ways that I think are really bizarre. Um, So I think the league has to recognize that you know, there's an opportunity there. Just putting my business hat on for a second. There's an opportunity here to kind of tap into market share that you're missing by simply letting players be themselves. Like not everyone is going to be very, you know, outgoing and outspoken, especially with the kind of way that the 
the, the culture seems to kind of force everyone into a mold. But those who are like embrace that, highlight that, you know, a lot of fans like to see that. Um, you know, I, I think as far as the commentary goes, one, I think they need to get more women. Um, you, when you kind of have the same guys all the time, you know, a lot of them have either been in the game for decades. A lot of them have played the game. Like you're not really getting a lot of fresh perspectives. You're kind of just hearing a lot of the same hockey voices a few decades removed, if that makes any sense. Um, I think if they're, they're really looking to, you know, put a little razzle dazzle in the broadcast then get people who are more tapped in to kind of the entertainment aspect of hockey as opposed to the very serious gentleman's game aspect of hockey. Kind of play into to, to that. And I, I think some teams are doing a good job of that. You know, the Avalanche have their Tumblr, which is very popular. What? Oh yeah, the Avs are on Tumblr. Oh, they're memeing on Tumblr. They're shipping on Tumblr. Like the Avs are. Tumblr got shut down for some reason. I haven't been on there in a while, but I know they're on there. Like I, I thought when I first found them, I was like, oh, this is just like an Avs fan account that's super pop. Like no, that's the Colorado. That's the actual team. Yeah. Wild. Yeah, and they're like, put they're like, isn't so and so so cute? I'm like, absolutely. Finally, someone said it. (laughs) (laughs) So. You know, and a lot of teams are like they're memeing more. They're highlighting, you know, the limited player fashion that we do see, you know, just kind of tap into that part of the fan base and, you know, just realize that not everyone wants to just talk X's and O's and not everyone wants to just talk very serious matters like this is an entertainment company don't be afraid to entertain people don't be afraid to have fun um i I don't think it's going to be an overnight shift i'm hoping that kind of as some of these other people age out of the system and they're replaced by you know they probably won't be younger when they take the job but they're younger now um that that will shift over time but you know i think there's an opportunity there to, you know, bring the league into, I don't even want to say the future, into the present and kind of catch them up with some other leagues who have already found that, you know, we're in the entertainment business. People like to have fun. People like to consume not just sports, but, you know, all manner of various types of entertainment. We need to, you know, we need to provide that too. It's funny because I feel like the most sensitive fan base would be the Vancouver Canucks, and it's not <laughs> even close. Um, and somehow it seems like the other teams are almost tiptoeing around it because they don't want they don't want to offend someone by by being too weird or too goofy or too out there. But the Canucks let their players do, pardon my language, whatever the fuck they want to. Yeah, like Elias Pettersson. Uh, quietly one of the weirdest people in the nhl he's like goalie level weird he, he dresses uh, so well though yeah yeah he dresses well when he's not so i have this running theory that he's that he's kinky as hell 
because he Ooh. for Halloween every year is some kind of furry. Oh my god! And- Don't <laughs> even look. You are going to tap into something you have no <laughs> idea. There is a NHL players are all furries undercurrent <laughs> on hockey Twitter. Like that is a door. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to open that door because. So one of my friends, I think it was two years ago, got very bored. Um, I think they were like home from work or something, and they they found fanfic Twitter, and that was oh, the worst thing I've ever read in my life. Um, Turn back. Yeah, yeah there's a lot sending them to me, which <laughs> one of my friends is. I one of my buddies is a former Canucks draft pick and mm-hmm. so I immediately started sending all of them to him and so <laughs> I was like if I have to read these you have to read them and I don't think he's ever been the same like I think I broke him um but no like Elias Pettersson like the whole team dressed up as Shrek characters two years ago and he dressed up as donkey but it wasn't donkey it was just like <laughs> a donkey furry costume because <laughs> it wasn't the like it wasn't the distinct cartoon character's face like it wasn't eddie murphy as donkey it was just a donkey and he's rich enough like he could have bought an actual like from shrek donkey. yeah not just some <laughs> random donkey suit <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then he was he was cookie monster this year but like a very weird cookie monster and he made a video on Twitter of him like running around Sweden dressed as Cookie Monster or no he was Elmo and his friend was Cookie Monster and like they went and bought cookies at a grocery store and ran away with them um like he's weird he's weird weird the team seems fine with that but then I'm all for it like I think that's fantastic like people like they he has a lot of fans who eat that stuff up. They're like, they're like, this is great. This is my weird alien son. And like, I will love and treasure him and his weirdness forever. Like that's there are teams I, that don't let them do that. Cause there are teams no. that, and not to call you out, Mikey, but Lou Lamorello, mm-hmm. uh, his players. No, call aren't him even out. Call him out. He's supposed to be on social. Like his players aren't even technically supposed to be on social media. One of their yeah, players one time, I asked him a question about something, and he like he had to DM me about it, and he was like, "I I would say something, but I'm not even supposed to be tweeting right now." I was like, "What are you talking about?" He was like, just, you know, it's it's team rules. They're not allowed to have facial hair, not allowed to wear weird clothes, like they're not allowed to be on social media. Have have uh, what is it? Have high numbers. <laughs> it's it's why. It almost seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot because, like you said, Elias Patterson has all these fans. Mm-hmm. And people would kind of like K-pop. Like, I feel like people would die for him. I will, yeah. say, I, I will say, uh, Kat, Andrew Ladd does have a TikTok. So. I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> do, do the Isles know that he has a TikTok? Did you just stitch him out? Uh, well, has he, he played a game? Andrew <laughs> Ladd, if you're listening, I didn't say that. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> When's the last time he played a hockey game? Uh, I think I think he's on the Bridgeport uh, roster. Yeah. yeah, he the last game he played, he played four games in the NHL last year. He can have a TikTok. Lou's not gonna find him. <laughs> to, 
He's to me, been, it's just. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm saying, yeah, but he he's getting paid six and a half million dollars. Hey, to TikTok. look, <laughs> look, I'll take it. For me, it's just like. Like I said, some teams are doing a much better job than others. I don't understand teams with all those like crazy strict rules. I think, I, you know, I think the people who set these rules have this idea that like it's almost like they're running the team like the military. Like we have to have strict order here if we're going to be. Hockey kind of has this idea that in order to play as a team, everything and everyone has to be uniform. And I don't subscribe to that at all. I think letting players be themselves when people are themselves are comfortable. Like, obviously you can't have complete anarchy, but you know, so you got to have some rules, but you know, dictating things like what you wear, what numbers you use, if you have to shave, like thankfully the caps, at least in my opinion, are one of the looser teams, probably because I don't, I don't really think there's a way to get Ovechkin to do anything Ovechkin doesn't want to (laughs) do. I'm certainly not going to be the one to tell him what he has to do. Um, And I think he runs an extremely loose ship, probably a little too loose since, you know, they've all been breaking COVID (laughs) protocols, but um, yeah, I think when you're comfortable, when you're in a comfortable situation, I think you perform better at whatever you're doing. And I think those fans respond to that. You know, I'm not an Isles fan. I think they're incredibly boring. I mean, I think, and I'm not even talking about their their game on the ice. It's just, there's nothing, there's nothing other than the hockey to kind of latch on to. You know what I mean? It's like the Isles play hockey and then the game's over. And that's it. You got to turn to something else. Whereas, you know, the Caps play hockey. They're doing all kinds of shenanigans in the tunnel. You're wondering who has a new hairstyle. Tom Wilson looks like a model. And it's just (laughs) like, you know, people like when there's not games to watch, you have to find a way to still have people interested in your product. And I think teams who can find a way to get a balance to let players show personality, let them be themselves. You get more eyes on your product because like I said, when the game's over, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to turn to something else entirely or are you going to hit social media and see, Hey, I love that suit PD war to the game. So, you know, it's, I think there's a lot of old school thinking at play here. um, But I, I don't think it represents the modern fan. Um, as well as it should. We have I think uh, the caps. We have Matt Barzell's hair, so that we got that going for us. You do have that. That you do. That is I a plus. Like nothing. Nothing was better than the caps when they won the cup. Um, just watching those videos. I've oh, that never was great. Seen a bigger clown show in in the best possible way. Like watching Jacob Brana try and get a tattoo. And cry. One of the one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Just <laughs> just hit me with the fucking puck. Just hit me with the puck. <laughs> like that people love like you know, the caps didn't win the cup just last year. That was what, 2018? People are still talking about that stuff. People are still sharing those gifts, sharing those memes. Like, you know, it and look at all the people who weren't even Caps fans who just kind of enjoyed the complete debauchery. I was actually at the, you know, the first thing they did that day was they took the cup to the nationals game and I was at that game and 
you could see them up in the suite. And first of all, they were drunk when they got there. And it was all downhill from there. My mom thought it was quite scandalous. But, you know, you're seeing Ovi in the fountain and players get tattoos. Like, people love that. People eat that up. Um, is, is that the kind of celebration you would see if the Isles won a cup? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think you would see Long Island <clears throat> sink into the sea if the Isles won another cup. <laughs> Long Island can sink into the sea. Oh. oh. No. Yes, I said it. <laughs> no. No. Is it I know they're they... coming from me. I mean, they did okay when the Blues won the cup just because we had it wasn't Eric Gabranson, it was the other guy with Joel Edmondson, that's it. It was the other big guy with a Swedish sounding name. Kept wearing those crop tops. And Bring they were crop never tops back. They were never his shirt. Like he turned around one time and he was wearing a Ryan O'Reilly jersey cut into a crop top. And that's that's wild to me. Um, I love that for him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it for him. I'm glad it wasn't me. Like I don't think I could have pulled it off the way he did. I thought he looked amazing. But oh, yeah. yeah, like that was that was fun. And I don't think we like not the not that the lightning were able to do anything super fun, but they had their boat parade and then they didn't even have fun with it at home. Like they didn't even have yeah. fun quarantine celebrations. Whereas like the videos we saw from Alex Ovechkin's wife even when they were like back at home and when they were back in their hotel room, those mm-hmm. were hysterical. And we oh, didn't yeah. see that from, uh, like, it looked like the, the lightning, lightning. The lightning kind of, uh, they had a bunch of fans. They were like high-fiving and shit. That looked pretty unsafe. Do, do you remember <laughs> that? <laughs> they got super unsafe at their boat parade and then they went home and didn't do anything else. Yeah. yeah. Like that's... Mean- Meanwhile, like the Caps Russians started singing like my neck, my back with Kaya with Ovi's mom. So like, you know, <laughs> like if you're going to win the cup, like go all out, like, go all out. So, I mean, like I said, I, I, the league could desperately use an injection of fun. Um, it's really falling. Like even baseball's figuring this out now. Um, so it, for a league that's already pulling up the rear with other with other sports, like you've you've got to grow your fan base. You've got to get more eyes on your product. You've got to to keep people's attention. And you know, it, I I just think they've done a poor job of doing that. Between you know the the boringness, between the lockouts, it's just you know. Anytime ESPN posts a hockey highlight, it's always like this isn't a sport. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe they're right. Like it's just. It's just <laughs> It's just it's it, the entertain. There's there's not enough a- emphasis, in my opinion, on the entertainment aspect. I think they would be doing themselves a favor if they listened to those of us who are just like, just try it out, just try it out and see what happens. But I think there's just too many like old school, very serious hockey men who they're crusty. Yeah, and they're and it's just like crusty. like season your food, season your food. <laughs> like there's no flavor to this, so. Well, that is all that I had for you. I know it's probably a, it's probably getting real close to your bedtime on a school night even. Yeah, I'm one of those boring people, 9 a.m. I'm a lawyer. My job is exceptionally boring. So 
I'm like, I need a good full night's sleep for my 10 meetings tomorrow. <laughs> oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> not to not to rub it in your face, but I've been sitting on my couch for the last three days, um, not doing anything, awaiting COVID test results. So, but they're negative. So now I want- get to go back. Do you want to negotiate a lease for my company for me? No. I'll take your silence and say yes. That's a a no. That's a hard no. I know. People are like, I got real restless because I I was asymptomatic, but exposure, I had to go get tested. And Mm -hmm. so I I was trying not to go out, even like go out for a run. So I was sitting on my couch and I was like, so what do I do? And I took a nap, watched some TV, stood up, went to make some food, sat back down. I was like, do I do yoga at home? Do I run in place? What do I do? It was it was terrible. Um, but that, I won't complain about it with, with how busy you've been. That's why you got to get video game. That's a great way to lose 10 hours. Oh, yeah. Oh. I'll be up to like 3 a.m. some nights playing Switch, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> it's like Breath be- of the Wild should not be this time consuming. But oh my is. God. I'm playing, <laughs> I'm actually playing that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's like, and I'll still be on like the same quest or whatever, and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> like, this is taking three hours. Gotta get all them Korok seeds. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just fell down the rabbit hole of watching foreign language Netflix, but I've reached the point where I've watched all the good ones. And so I'm now falling into like the really obscure ones and they're just not as good. La- last thing. Cause I know where it's like, I've had, I know we have been talking for a very long time and I'm so sorry to keep you guys, <laughs> but you need to watch if you haven't already kingdom on Netflix. It's a, is that the Nick Jonas one? No, it's a, yes, it's, it's called kingdom. It's on Netflix. It has two seasons or each six episodes long. And it's like a historical Korean drama with zombies. What? Yeah. So it's like zombie, it's like a zombie (laughs) outbreak, like 750 years ago. It's fantastic. So the Korean films are actually the only ones that I haven't broken into yet. So that may have to be my intro. Yeah. I've, I've gone through all of Spanish language Netflix. Um, Cause that one, I don't need the subtitles. And then I, I mm-hmm. went through French and then I went through all of the Scandinavian ones, um, which are all murder mysteries. Scandinavians don't do comedy. Um, <laughs> like they don't. They they did one comedy and it was like a really dark comedy and that's the only one. The rest are all crime shows, all of them. <laughs> and then I was like working my way back to Spanish Netflix again to see if there was anything new. But maybe I'll I'll veer off to to Korean instead. Yeah, Korean Kingdom and Train to Busan. That's where I'd start. But they have like a huge variety of stuff. There's zombie shows. There's a lot of romantic comedies, if that's your thing. Um, there's there's some there's some crap, but there's some good stuff. So give it a give it a go. That sounds kind of like Netflix in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> but thank you so much for coming on. I'm sorry yeah. we kept you for so long. Oh, no yeah. problem. Great, no great problem. Conversation. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. My pleasure. I had a ton of fun. I've only ever done one podcast before, so this is all well, good practice for me. You're natural. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.